Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere on demand, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for hanging out live. Smash the subscribe. Smash the like. Come and join us in the chat. Again, subscribers we might have some treats coming for you here in the next couple of weeks leading up to the season. So make sure that if you are watching this, if you are listening to this, Hit the subscribe at youtube.com slash cover three and hit the notifications so you know any time that we might go live. Getting interactive here on a Thursday. We're going to open up the big old bag of mail. Those of you who have submitted questions, uh, you leave a five-star review. In that review, you put your question. We'll get to it in a future mailbag episode. And as always, we want to celebrate those of you who hang out with us live, those of you who jump in super early to get those early bird questions in. So we're going to knock out a few right now. This one came in, I mean, almost two hours before we got started. Shout out to you, Woods. You're, you're about it. Favorite team to win the MAC this year? Mathematically, I got to go with Toledo. Heart, I'm going Ohio because Ohio. Ohio is a wagon. Yeah. Danny? Uh, Toledo, I, I get to use, you mentioned you dropped a Toledo in here yesterday because you guys play them mm-hmm. week one. I'll yeah. go Toledo. Yeah, just to me, there's those are the two options. You and they played for the MAC championship last year, and I do think there's a drop off. I think that there is a, a top tier, and then you start to get down into, you know, what's Northern Illinois going to cook up? What's Miami, Ohio going to cook up? Like that's that's kind of what I see. I would say one of those two teams would be the ones to keep an eye on. Because it has the the MAC has dropped off big time. Whoa, I mean, whoa, it wasn't whoa, that whoa. long ago. Oh, look at Tom's pushing back in that Big Ten country. Well, like you said, minor in league Big Ten. <laughs> but I mean, remember it was Northern Illinois was yeah. in. PJ Fleck was in. Mm-hmm. Like they were getting New Year's Six invites on the reg, and then all of a sudden, like everything shifted to the American. The American got pilfered, you know, for by the Big Twelve. The MAC has just fallen by the wayside. I feel like the Sun Belt has more momentum than the mm-hmm. MAC. Yeah. The- Power-wise, the Mac is definitely dropping off a little bit. But the fun thing about the Mac is, like, we talk about Toledo being the favorite. We can talk about Ohio, and then there's a drop-off. The thing about the Mac is, from year to year, you really have absolutely no idea who's going to be good and who isn't. That's why the league is fun. I've got a reckless hot take. Can I just go ahead and get it out right here, two and a half minutes in? The Mac still hasn't recovered from its shaky attempt to get through 2020. Like, we haven't seen... so. PJ yes. Fleck's like 2016, you know, the Northern Illinois years you're talking about are like 2013. I might be like a year or two off on those, but I, I think that since when we, when they tried to get through 2020, you know, didn't really get a lot of games in very similar to the big, tw- big 10 and the PAC 12. Then in 2021, and maybe the, we could also say maybe the transfer portal has just crushed the Mac. I mean, we see all of Kent state's best players are now at power five conferences right now, uh, power five schools right now. But, and their coach and their coach <laughs> decided to up and leave. So there, there could be multiple prongs to that. But that was that was one thing that came to mind is that basically since the 2020 season, I haven't seen the Mac really register in the same way as the Sun Belt and uh, some of those other G5 conferences. 
It certainly didn't help, but I think it was kind of already trending in this direction before 2020, and it just kind of sped the process up more. I, I think one of the bigger problems the Mac faces, and I've talked about this a little bit, like the reason Sean Lewis is going from head coach of Kent State to offensive coordinator Colorado is money-wise, the gap between like the power conferences and what Mac schools are paying their coaches is too significant, probably for schools to kind of justify hiring the Mac coach who's making 350 grand and then having to give him like five million a year just to be competitive within their own league. So like the access of the Mac to the Big Ten head coaching job or to like an ACC or whatever kind of coaching job isn't quite there anymore, which is making it less attractive to top coaching candidates to take head coaching jobs in the Mac. And I think that plays a role because like Dan, you mentioned Western Michigan with PJ Fleck. At that point, you go to a Mac school and you're going to end up getting a Big Ten school and you just don't see that anymore. So you don't see a lot of great coaching candidates taking Mac jobs as their first gig. That's actually a very, I mean, Matt Campbell, Tim mm-hmm. Beckman, you know, like they're like long, long run seems to have dried up just Jay a little. Clawson, Dino Babers. Mm-hmm. Like Darryl, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's do one more early bird. This one came in uh, also almost two hours ago. Uh, Philly sports fanatic says if North Dakota state came to an FBS conference, what conference would they go to and how much success would they have? Mountain West makes the most sense, right? Yeah. And they probably, I think they would compete pretty Pretty soon. Pretty quick, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I think if you threw them in the Big 12, they'd be pretty competitive pretty quickly. Like, not like winning the league, but I think they could be getting to bowl games within a couple years pretty quick. Yeah, when you, um, you know, the Jeff Sagarin's, you know, power ratings take all of Division One into consideration. And North Dakota State, which is always one of the top FCS programs, regularly is is ranking ahead Mm of dozens of group of five programs and then when things get really bad like colorado 2022 one in 11 team that's when you might even see a north dakota state ahead of them as well i would say in the mountain west they could they jump in as like the third fourth fifth type team um and in the in the big 12 it might be a little more challenging i think oh for sure but i don't think as much culture as they have built up you know over the years yeah, I don't think they'd be a doormat in the Big 12. Um, I know uh, Jordan already put in the chat, we're not going to do realignment talk. I just got to get one anyway. thing off my chest. One thing, real quick, and then we'll put it to bed. Notre Dame has the balls <laughs> to come out there and try to get their way pushed through. Are you kidding me? Like, shut your yap and either come in or get out like come on well don't go out because we don't want you to leave us that bad but if you're not going to jump in with both feet then keep your mouth shut on what you think the conference should do and the sympathy card of oh this academic institutions of cal and stanford somebody has to look out for them give me a break i'm sorry it's not just them, right? I mean, if uh, uh, whatever you've uncorked it, let's spill it out here. So <laughs> apparently, there's only four or five that are pushing back, which I honestly am surprised that it's well, that's. Is it safe to assume Florida State's one of the four or five yeah. pushing back? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. But it also tells you. I thought there was a loophole that if you added, it opened up the door for Florida State to leave, no. and it might even no. That's not true. I, I cannot speak to it because I am not on the legal team. Which, right. Remember, we you did all, travel to Greensboro to go in the office to unlock the <laughs> put in the three like keys. Cage meeting. It's like yeah, turn at the same time. Um, dang thing. Um, there's crazy. a golden iPad uh, <laughs> under the desk that then has the document on it. I I've seen the 2013 grant of rights. I've not seen the amended 2016 grant of rights that locked it in all the way till 2036. The um. My understanding is, is that how your hair went gray? Like when Moses saw the burning bush, you saw the grant of rights and you came out and like, <laughs> uh, my understanding is it does not open it up except for, and this has been pitched, um, that then it changes the legal argument. Like when you're right. litigation, this the is settlement, what we up just for. like, look, they are devaluing the ACC by adding Cal and Stanford. You do not have our best interests at heart. We are going to go like that's, so far, we're we're still five steps from that. The the you need twelve of fifteen with Notre Dame as apparently having a vote here for them to be able to expand. They have not called for a vote because they do not have the votes. I was actually listening to former North Carolina Chancellor um, Holden Thorpe 
who was there through North Carolina chancellor name, (laughs) (laughs) uh, who was on uh, the OG podcast with Joe Ovius and Joe Gilio, And he was describing what happened in 2012 and 2013 and the expansion uh, to replace Maryland with Louisville, getting Syracuse and Pitt. And that when you were going around and you were trying to take votes for all these things, and even the amended uh, grant of rights in 2016, that they don't call for a vote unless they know they have the votes. Because the moment that they call for a vote, and it gets voted down, it gets leaked to the media and everything goes south. So all these meetings are coming, but there's no votes being taken because they do not have the votes right now for it to happen, which is why ESPN's Pete Thamel, Andrew Adelson are talking about the roadblocks. The The reporting is that the conversation is ongoing and I'm taking myself back to Friday and I'm wondering if this is negotiation also, where you're trying to, on the ACC and on the Cal and Stanford side, try to figure out what kind of bargain or discount it's going to be because I cannot imagine that these two schools that they're trying to throw a life raft to in the name of how could we let them fall away right now? If you're doing that, then you've got to be giving them a deal that is going to be advantageous uh, for the other schools. Uh, My understanding is it would not be a major bump on the per school payout, but it would not be a loss based on some of the financials that they're talking about. Muted. Muted, Tom? <laughs> oh, wow. I went total bud here. Uh, I say this as a Big Ten fan to all my ACC brethren. Just because it's on sale doesn't mean you have to buy it. That's all you need to think about. God, yeah. can you talk to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Tom had the good meme. It uh, is true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like, like, why did I buy 96 golf balls? Like, well, why I already did have 50 at home? Take Oregon and Washington because they were on sale. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if anything. I would, uh, I would predict that right now the momentum is it's not dead the way that the reporting is, but the momentum is not strong for a Cal and Stanford addition to the ACC. Just get Tulane and SMU. Did SMU really come out and say we'll take no money? That's, for four that's or five the report. Years? Like SMU saying, yeah, we don't. We're we're good on that that part. We'll just you know. I would rather have SMU than the other two. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll see. All right. So um, headlines uh, before we hit the break and then start to get into the big old bag of mail. Plus more of your uh, questions. Keep dropping them in the chat. We're continuing to to grab them. We'll hit them throughout the show. So. There was a memo um, that was sent out from the Internal Revenue Service indicating some potential problems for some of these NIL operations, forcing Texas A&M to shut down uh, its 12th man plus operation. Did... Is this is this going to be the beginning of a, a big sort of reworking of the, the way that NIL is, is thrown together? Because the way that I understand it is that you know, you can talk a donor into making a charitable contribution. To be and that might co-host be on the Cover 3 win totals, SEC, eBay.com. Hey, that's right. Link is up. Go ahead and get it. That goes to, and you know what? That money goes to the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, not to an NIL fund. All right. I'm feeling a little bit better uh, about that than I would if I'm necessarily going to funnel this to make sure that a wide receiver doesn't hit the transfer portal. Do you see any further crackdown beyond this? It seems like Texas A&M being very much the you know, flagship of NIL seems like they're trying to make an example out of this. I don't know how, I don't know what the reverberating effects are going to be uh, of this operation. I, I have no idea. I don't know if there's going to be any reverberating effects. I think this is just an instance of there are no rules, so let's try it until somebody tells us we can't. Texas A&M tried it and the IRS said no. And they said, okay, well, we can't do this. I don't really think it's going to go any further or deeper than that, to be honest with you. It is a way to like launder money to mm-hmm. recruit to players. So yes. it is super shady. I know a lot of people have been scared about this potentially happening. I think you will see more collectives either shut down and start it over, you know, and, and try to find a way that you don't go there. I'll tell you this it's a heck of a lot easier to go to a booster and say, Hey, it's a 501c3. You're going to get a full tax benefit, you know, and those, sure, where do I sign? They're looking to give away money a lot of times. Then it is, oh, I just, you just want a $100,000 check and I don't get anything in return. Like that's going to be a little bit more complicated. But I think you'll also see possibly some consolidation of the collectives as well. 
Because like then there's that. even competition within universities, you know, between some of these collectives. Yeah. And some have purposely set up the for-profit, not-for-profit, you know, which sets them up for whatever way the kind of the whole landscape moves. I would guess that the 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 501c3, the the nonprofit NIL collective is probably gonna be something we look back on in five or ten years and be like, oh my gosh, can't believe we were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's it, it's it's very difficult to be able to make the argument of like to to actually get called to task about like, all right so what is the charitable purpose of this organization getting wins for alabama <laughs> right and those charitable organizations cuz there are some worthy causes but they get they get rankings based on how much of their money is used to go to the actual cause versus staff and i'm guessing do our stuff like this which i would consider frivolous i don't know what the term is for it but it's not going to truly benefit the people that are supposed to benefit from the nonprofit. So I think that's probably going to crop up as well. All those sick children will feel better if our team wins. That's what the donation <laughs> is for. I the the topic that has been buzzing around all off season throughout the conversation of NIL is um that I think this does tie back to is donor fatigue where Texas A&M had figured out a way like you mentioned Danny to be able to pry those dollars out more easily. If this is no longer uh, an issue, then the topic of I think donor fatigue will then become a little bit stronger and then maybe even push us more towards uh, a revenue sharing compensation and things like that. What? No, I'm just that's super exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up on the other side. So maybe you've been under a rock. One of our listeners who submitted a, a question to the big old bag of mail says they've been missing everything from college football all summer. So what were the highlights? What were the songs of the summer, so to speak, in college football? We'll get into that and more next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, diving into the big old bag of mail. You leave us a five-star review, put your question in that review. We'll tackle it in a future mail bag episode. Uh, review goes awesome pod great insights and won't just make up arguments for content feels like some dudes chatting about football and I love it my question is this I haven't been keeping up to date with college football this summer and haven't had time to listen to every single podcast from the last few months what are the main things that happened this summer that I should know as a college football <laughs> fan going into the season I saw the crazy realignment crap and something happened at Northwestern. Other than that, what's new? <laughs> Can you we do we have like a uh do we have a spark for cover three listeners? Like spark notes or cliff notes version? Danny, I'm so embarrassed. I actually thought about putting together a we didn't start the fire for the summer. <laughs> Embarrassing congressional hearings. Like <laughs> Did you know there's a remake of that song? I think it was Fallout Boy remade Billy Joel's. Is it good? Uh, it's not bad, but he definitely like it's current. Like it goes from 1989 when the song was made until now, and it's all like Tiger Woods instead of Joe DiMaggio. Like it's it's very oh. current. Yeah, it's the exact same song, just new new lyrics. I'm happy Fall Out Boy found time between doing anthems for <laughs> football. football. Yeah, we've um, got Post Malone this year. Yeah. No, but Fall Out Boy's doing NBC's Big Ten. Oh, okay. Here comes Saturday night. Uh, so what happened this summer? Let's see. I feel like something happened at Northwestern is a very apt description 
<laughs> what happened at Northwestern because we don't really know with full certainty everything that happened at Northwestern. We just know the results of whatever it was that happened at Northwestern, and everybody knows exactly what happened, or at least wants to pretend they do. Um, Does, uh, I got to watch my mouth. Does Greg get fired for not knowing they were making the shirts that the coaches were going to wear? Isn't that his culture that he should be in charge of? I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Was it the? Uh, there were a lot of Baylor Cats fans against the world. Was the shirts they were all yeah, wearing? Yeah, but the the Baylor fans were coming out like I. Just gonna tell you because remember the CAB shirts. Mm-hmm. Coach Art oh, Browse. Yeah. yeah. So it's you know good luck. It's, it didn't go well for Baylor. I think that's what they're saying in the uh, in the wake of that. Um, yep. Yeah. Cats- My favorite part of that is everybody's like, "How could they wear those shirts with the media there that day?" And it's like, uh, <laughs> "Okay, if they don't, <laughs> you, you don't think they 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 do that when they were doing it? Like that was the point." <laughs> so here's here's what I've got. So in a, I trace it back to April, even though that's not the summer. You think about that's like when spring practice is winding down. Um, the N- NIL congressional hearings were embarrassing. It was just a like pep rally for legislators to get out there and wave pom-poms and talk about their favorite school. And the NCAA got to read off the list that the lobbying crew put together. In May, we had a group of post-spring transfer portal moves. Michigan State lost Peyton Thorne. Michigan State lost Keon Coleman. They end up going to Auburn and Florida State, respectively. Ty Buckner leaves Notre Dame after spring practice, shows up at Alabama, throwing a wrinkle into that quarterback battle. And Bear Alexander leaves the day of the spring game or at mm-hmm. least like the day after Pretty the spring game it, yeah. from Georgia expected to be a major contributor on the defensive line. He will, he transfers to USC in May. I actually pulled this one back up. I was like, may we were talking about Colorado big 12 talks. Like those were, you know, the reports that they were really starting to heat up a little bit. Uh, things went a little bit dormant in June. We got the 2024 big 10 schedule. <laughs> we're going to need to rework that one. Uh, Also in June, we got the 2024 sec schedule. And also in June, San Diego state tried to leave the mountain West for the PAC 12, but the PAC 12 (laughs) didn't have its act together. So a $17 million buyout turned into a 34 million or exit fee turned into a $34 million exit fee. And San Diego state now is, just still in the Mountain West. I mean, if the Pac-12 has its act together and San Diego State, and they expand to add San Diego State, is the Pac-12 still together? I don't know. Somebody didn't have their homework turned in on time. And then in July, I had Pat Fitzgerald fired. I didn't remember whether the rule changes were official in January or whether that was an offseason, but this falls into the part of the question that said, what do I need to know going into the year? The fact that we are not going to be stopping the clock after first downs it, until the last two minutes two of minutes, yep. half um, there it's, it'll be interesting to see. We got to see it play out. The experts say it's going to limit, you know, anywhere from what seven to nine plays. Mm-hmm. Did you, Danny, did you listen in on the seminar? Uh, part of it when I wasn't on air, I listened to it. Yeah. yeah the, um, Cause they, I know that was another topic that they said um, when they were speaking to us about what's going to happen. Uh, this I don't think anybody's talking about that. You know, like I think it's kind of flying under the radar because so many other things, and maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe we won't notice, but I just wonder if if it really does tighten up the games to where it's a nice, clean, you know, much more like the NFL, where it's three hours. I bet it'll probably be three thirty, three thirty, right. but instead of four, which I think I think is good. I've heard seven to nine plays. I've heard 12 to 15 plays. And ultimately, yeah. I think that'll be about 20 minutes, right? I think it'll depend on the teams involved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the teams involved has also told us whether this thing is going to go 415 <laughs> or 310. Yeah. You know, we, we get Army Navy wrapped up crisp. That thing kicks off at three Eastern time and we're wrapped by six. Yeah. I don't want to tip my hand too early here, but I'll probably be taking a lot more unders than usual in the first couple of weeks of the season. See if the market's mm. corrected yet. <sighs> Just getting tingly, just thinking about just blind spraying unders just based on the clock rules. That would be the fastest locks ever. Clock rules, under, clock rules. Might see a lot more unders in the 30s. Oh, I would love it. Anything uh, anything else from the summer that uh that that we wanna that we wanna point out? No, but go back and use that uh 1.5 or 2.0 feature on the podcast. Just listen to them fast. You can get through them all. (laughs) 
<laughs> Go listen to all of them. I listen to all my podcasts on one and a half speed. Yeah. Um, yeah, the San Diego State storyline just is pretty funny to me looking back, especially with everything that played out. And of course, conference realignment or that conference realignment crap, as the question asked, uh, is still very much ongoing. All right, let's go to some live questions. This one comes from Koei Jupes or Corey, maybe. Uh, what transfer quarterbacks are most likely to make a leap similar to Michael Penix and Bo Nix? The suggestions that they include in the question are Keaton Slovis, of course, at BYU, uh, Brandon Armstrong at NC State, Phil Dracovic at Pitt, Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin. Who would the Sims be? Uh, Jeff Sims. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Sims, Sims at Nebraska and Hudson Card at um, Purdue. So in either one of those, or is there another one that we was not mentioned in the question that you would say you're looking to take a leap? Would Armstrong technically be a leap seeing as how he already had the huge year and just kind of fell back last year? I don't think he counts. That's fair. Does Mordecai count? Because he was really good at he like the statistically he was really strong. Yeah, I think his leap is more just name recognition that people know who he is. Um I don't know. I think if of these guys, I'm I'm writing Slovis off immediately. I just wow. I don't think that's there. I think Hudson Card of the names listed here has a very good shot simply because, I mean, when we've seen Hudson Card, we haven't seen him get a full season to himself yet, but when we have seen him play, he's been pretty productive, and I think he's clearly going to be the number one guy at Purdue. So I think there's a shot there. I think J.J. McCarthy is going to make the leap. I think that McCarthy is already one of the better quarterbacks in the country, but he, you know, he's kind of like Penix and Knicks in that sense. And that Wait, you mean McNamara? Who, no, no, J.J. McCarthy, Michigan. He's not a transfer quarterback. Oh, my bad. Damn it. You could say K. <laughs> I didn't see the transfer part. He I was just trying to think of QBs. The, he gave you the, the, the opt-out. Yeah. He gave oh, you the option sorry. of Cade McNamara, who would be a good who one. Who would be a good pick. Yeah, I, would, yeah. I could see Cade McNamara. Even though I got one for you. Yeah. And I do think there's a reason why we saw Penix and Knicks excel. They were reunited with people that they were familiar with their offense. Brennan Armstrong, duh, like that's the easy one. I think he kind of goes back to that form that he had early with Robert and I. Jack Plummer, I think, is going to have a really good year for Louisville. Getting call. reunited with Brom. They were together at Purdue. He went to Cal and played really good on a bad Cal team. I think he's got a good skill set. I think he's a bit, I think he's a good option to make a big leap. Phil Tracovic is also reuniting with the offensive coordinator, Frank Signetti, who was at Boston College when he yep. had his best season. So that's another uh, example of those and very similar to the Penix and Knicks examples. I will go with Donovan Smith. I, I He was inconsistent when we've seen him, but I think talent-wise, he's got a lot of tools that could be useful if they get harnessed. I think he could have a big year. And then I'll just go home. Right? Now that I realize it's only transfers we're talking about, Luke Altmaier is going to have a huge year. I mean, what, um, so you guys might have seen this 24 7 sports article. What percentage of power five starting quarterbacks are transfers? Oh, I would guess at least 60. 60 was, yeah. 63%. Yeah. How about in the Pac 12? 11 of 12 mm -hmm. quarterbacks. Now, this is anytime transfer. So, like Jordan sure. Travis is still considered, he's counted as a transfer, even though, you know, he's Louisville, he's been multiple years. 63% up from 48% a year ago. I just wonder if this is going to continue. It'll be like 75% next year. Mm -hmm. You know, like how much further can we go? Probably because Only there so are many such spots. Mm -hmm. Well, the, I mean, Danny, don't you think it's one of the few spots where you can? Be able to step right in and be able to yes. win the starting job right away. Like it, yep. and there's only one ball to go around, so you can be good and just be stuck behind somebody that's good. The other interesting aspect, if you look at the preseason top twenty-five, it is closer to seventy-five percent of you know the top twenty-five have a transfer quarterback as the starter right now. I mean, if you're not a, if you're not a top twenty-five team, it's also probably hard to attract good transfer quarterbacks. Right. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's kind of what's weird about Ohio State and Georgia this year. And, you know, we don't typically see homegrown, homegrown guys taking over jobs anymore because it's the market deficiency has been, well, shoot, let's just find the guy we know is good already and we could bring him in and not take a chance on the unproven guy. So, yeah. All right. Let's uh, thank you for that question. Um, here we go. Jaguars fan 97. I left this review. I left a review with this question a while ago. Um, how different would both programs be viewed if Syracuse had pulled off the Chase Bryce 
upset in 2018. So 2018, uh, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence gets knocked out of the game against uh, Syracuse. Kelly Bryant has left the team because after he Mm -hmm. lost the starting job, that was it. So Chase Bryce has to come into the game. Syracuse has a halftime lead. He leads them, you know, on a comeback. They end up winning the game. They end up winning the national championship with a 15 and 0 record. How would Syracuse be different? I I would say maybe more Clemson would be different. I don't know if Syracuse would be wildly different based off that upset because Syracuse has pulled off big upsets. Yeah. Beyond the the near upsets that they've had and those have been significant as well. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, they did beat Clemson when Deshaun Watson got hurt. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah I don't think Syracuse changes that much. The Clemson question is pretty interesting because that maybe that loss takes them out of the title picture, but they went undefeated. So, I mean, based on what we have seen in the college football playoff era with the way the committee works, if Clemson loses that game and it's, well, Trevor Lawrence got hurt and it's the only loss of the year and they win the ACC, I'm pretty sure they're still getting in to the playoff. So I I don't know if it ultimately would have changed anything, honestly. Same. Yeah. All right. Let's go here. This is the question. This question comes up a lot in the big old bag of mail. So I figured, you know, we could just address it once again here. Uh, How long before the bottom feeder schools that have low brand value get kicked out of conferences Rutgers, don't even say that V word, Austin. Right. Osterous. Missouri, Boston College, uh, Northwestern, et cetera. What do we think? I mean, this is the topic because what are these TV deals now? Six, seven years ish. Mm -hmm. And when the next time, like, we're not done with conference realignment. And if there's teams that are out there that still want to be a part of the Big Ten or SEC, what is. It's a way to maximize their profit. You want to split less of the pie? Let's let's cut out. Let's cut out some of the fat. And I know, you know, Bud always says somebody has to take the losses. But the losses don't have to be that ugly. You know, <laughs> like I so I think there is a chance that we do see more Stanford and Cal's. Not any time in the next couple years, but I think the next time the TV deals are up and there's more conference alignment, I think there is a chance. Yeah, about probably this time last year, I would have said no chance, but it is with the latest round of realignment, like it had already been trending this way, but it is very clear now that the television networks are who are in charge here. And I mean, like when the idea that Oregon and Washington joined the big 10, cause they were on sale, but then you get the reports that not everybody in the big 10 was in agreement with adding them. And it still happened. That tells you everything you need to know. And so I think, yeah, when the new TV deals come, because it's always about we have to get more than we got on the last one and you can't squeeze more teams in to increase the value of it, we will eventually see what we've kind of, you know, it's been hypothesized for a long time. You're going to see this sport break into a kind of like a 65-team Super League. And the idea of Big Ten, ACC, SEC, and all that will probably get pushed aside and it'll just be the 65 biggest brands we can find putting them in the league and going from there. Do you think it's that big? Uh, see, it, I think it could be closer to 40. You know, yeah, like, and it, I, I think that's more realistic to mm-hmm. get the best possible product. But I also think at the same time, it could have a really, really good brand for a second tier, like the next 24, the next 30, the next 40 programs could be in a new league that you could see that could play for their own title or play for access to the title, you know, of a 12 team. If you're going to do that, like just do the promotion relegation thing. So I am still in the somebody has to lose because university presidents and who are making these decisions. You're right. They're not making the decisions. I know, I know, I know. But you, there's still, there still is going to be some pride there, right? Like everyone's, no one wants to um, enter into a world where the their football programs are like the NFL and everybody's you know close to five hundred. I mean, they they want to be able to win regularly and win big. And I think that those teams have to be there. I think the self-sorting might be when some of these programs decide that they don't want to be a part of the arms race. Like when these programs are like, ah, you know what? We're out. Yeah. It's, 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 and look, sometimes I have to do that. You know, sometimes I got to pull the ripcord hanging out with your buddies and there's going to be one more stop. 
They're going to take a lot a of them bit bigger and everybody, Hey, I got to go. Got to get out. I, mean, I, I think Northwestern is a great example. Like mm-hmm. especially what we saw with Pat Fitzgerald, what we've seen from them. Like if they're and it's not to diminish it, but they are more worried about academics. They're more worried about the perception of our school. We're more worried about our reputation than we are about winning football games, which a lot of people would find admirable, but that's not the direction that college football is going to go. You know, and they might they might say, you know what, we're not comfortable. We want to be an academic institution that doesn't have to pay our players. And we'll, that's the other thing I and wonder. That's, if and that's what I mean by the self sorting. It's just like whatever the yeah. arms race moves to, right? It's right. Just, I, I'm done trying to keep up with if everyone at the top level is trying to keep up with Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. I don't want to do. I don't want to play that game anymore. And that they might step aside. But if they want to be a part and keep taking these losses, I think the big dogs would gladly have a game on the schedule that they know they can chalk up as a W. I mean, Stanford is the perfect example because they, and we've talked a lot about it on here. Like they have not embraced NIL or the transfer portal, which is pretty much them saying, you know, we're not really comfortable going this direction. I just had a vision. Okay. Picture this. There's two leagues, whether they're 20, 24 teams, 30, whatever. One of them is the ESPN league. One of them is the Fox league. The 2024 30 team leagues, whatever, will get divided into divisions. They will play their own separate seasons. They will have their own separate playoffs, and both will crown a champion. And then after a few years of this, somebody will say, Hey, what if we take the champion of each league and we have them play each other to decide who the real champion is in a game? And we'll call it the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) It's this history repeats itself. You sound so excited about this. You know, what, what do we call I've it? I've always said what we need is a minor league NFL because history shows that every time you have a minor league NFL, it just, it's great. It makes tons of money and everybody loves it. Well, I, you are not going to find every, you are going to find more people, lo- even if it is a, a professionalization of the highest levels of college football, your people are still going to be excited based on the same reasons why you're excited about Illinois, right? I mean, there's there still is that built in um, that that built in consumer base, that built in group of fans that are just going to identify with what they were doing from 18 to 22 years old and always, you know, continue to rally for that flag and and rally for that team. Well, you're also but these minor league teams that have cropped up have tried to compete with the actual minor leagues, which have been taking place for. 75 years they've just been able to do it for free like we already have it that's why i don't think it's going to be something that's awful and that's why i think the other programs have you know xfl ufl i mean list off the laundry list of leagues that have tried they can't take down the the minor league that's already exists the cfl the cfl the college football league (laughs) hey it's thursday we got canadian football league action coming up tonight on cbs sports network you should definitely go check that out argos Coming up on the other side, there have only been three programs, one, two, three, who have won a national championship in both the BCS era and in the four-team college football playoff. We've got a list. Which program has the best chance to join that exclusive club? We'll get into that and more next. Uh, Looks like we got, uh, actually, the, the person who submitted this is also hanging out. Uh, Shout out to you, Tika Frog. Here's what the question says from the big old bag of mail. Uh, Love the pod, and you guys do a great job of covering the sport year-round, so much so that by the time the TV networks are done talking about mundane pro sports, their college content is miles behind yours. Question. I feel like winning national titles in different eras of college football is important as postseason formats have changed multiple times over the course of the sport. Only three teams have won a BCS title and a four-team CFP title. That would be Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State. With the four-team college football playoff era coming to a close this year, which team do you think has the best and worst chance of being added to that list? And I, I made it easy for you. Here are the eligible teams. Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Miami, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, and USC. I think it's easy. Best and worst, you can get both of them right Mm -hmm. off the top. Yeah, best is USC. They have 
what might be the best player in the league, in the country at the most important position in Caleb Williams. They also have an easier path than a lot of the other teams on that list because, I mean, the Pac-12 is very good, don't get me wrong, but at the top, there are other good teams. At the bottom, there's a whole lot of dead weight. Um, and then I would say the least in Florida this year, like, look at their schedule. Uh, Florida's not getting through that. Yeah, they're not getting through that without multiple losses. They have no chance to get to playoff. The other team I would consider is Auburn. For least case. Yeah, for least yeah. case. And with and a similar to last, you're staring Florida up. Florida has to go through mm-hmm. Georgia. I'd agree with those. Those jumped out to me as the worst. The best USC, I would say this, the path is too hard with the Pac-12. Yeah, I'd um, say Texas. Because it's so top-heavy. I would say, you said Texas, Chip? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Texas, they do have Bama, but you can lose that game. And yeah, yeah. you know, like and even if you win it, if you win it, then you've got the freebie diving into Big 12 play for the time when, you know, Texas loses to Iowa State or whatever. Oklahoma, their schedule is so easy. I know. Like they don't have to go through Bama and they do have to go through Texas. And they've, you know, had the better of that rivalry over recent history. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say them. I would say Texas as well. We can all agree that the one team, we mentioned Florida and Auburn, the one team that has absolutely no chance to win the national title this year is Tennessee, right? We can all agree on that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Uh, um, no, I, I want to see, I, I see, uh, see the Joe Milton truthers have their day in the, in the sunshine. Uh, if I was to rank them, I would say Texas one, then FSU's got to be up there at the top. FSU's right? probably yeah, maybe Texas, USC, FSU, and then you draw a line. Maybe Tennessee, Oklahoma. Then you draw a line, and then you get into Florida, Auburn, Miami. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's how I would tear it out. Did you just get muted by Jordan? Yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought this was America. I don't know. Apparently. <laughs> um. I like that because again, in the uh, see a question is like, is this for this year only? Yes, because then it gets into the twelve team playoff, and it's going to be an entirely new set of expectations in terms of you know what it even takes to win a national championship. So it'll take us a, a little while to get recalibrated once we do that. And you know, we even heard Greg Sankey talking this week on Paul Feinbaum about how they're interested in reworking the way that that turn that uh, bracket is set up. Can I make a comment on Mr. Sankey's comments on Feinbaum? Oh, another one. This is like Notre Dame. Playing playing the violin for the destruction of the Pac-12. Who started pretending that man didn't take Texas A&M, Missouri, Texas, and Oklahoma from the Big 12. Give me a break. Thank you. I love Sankey. He saved college football during COVID. But for him to do that and to act like it's everybody else and I can't, this is so sad. What a sad day for college football. Yeah. He started. Why did it. the Big 12 have to raid the Pac 12 again? Okay. Were they losing schools for some reason, Greg? I can't remember. <laughs> um, all right. This next question comes from uh, it's a username on Apple Podcasts, RJG850. Hey, guys, love the show. A couple question statements around trophies. First, I'm surprised that Chip, as an ACC guy, didn't lead the ACC media day coverage with the reaction to the Louisville and Miami playing for the Howard Schnellenberger Trophy. It is amazing. They had it in Charlotte. It's very cool that um, they're able to celebrate it. Put Howard Schnellenberger in the College Football Hall of Fame, you cowards. Um, (laughs) Thoughts on that. Second, I think it's time for the Cover 3 podcast to start a petition for Oregon and Maryland to play each other as annual rivals once Oregon joins the Big Ten, you are tasked with coming up with a trophy named for this rivalry based on the apparel giants as they are each the flagship school, Oregon for Nike, Maryland for Under Armour. Keep up the great work. Also aquatic animals. Ducks, Ducks and, and terrapins. So they could play for some Amphibious. kind of They're both water feature. Right? Yeah, they could play for like a water feature or something. Like one of those never-ending fountain thingies that you could just put in, like your, you know, for Zen purposes. Um, the, battle, the the battle for the babbling brook. Yes, yes, perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that actually good. does sound pretty good. Yeah, the Maryland and Oregon for the battle for the babbling brook. And I, I sent along in the rundown. Are there any other new rivalry trophies that we can create for some of these new matchups that we have 
Washington and Oregon coming to join the picture. Maybe even if you want to throw out a USC or UCLA, there's a whole Wikipedia page just for Big Ten rivalry yeah. trophies. Mm-hmm. We got to add. So- we need to add some we to it. We need to have jugs, axes, barrels, I nails. Mean- I've this isn't really the question, but I've been hammering like Spartans, Trojans, USC versus Michigan State playing for like a Trojan horse trophy. That just, yeah, but for like Washington and Oregon, I mean, like a raincoat (laughs) or something. I don't know. Oh, like, like some, like a tree of some kind. Like, I don't know, maybe Stanford would take umbrage (laughs) to that, but just like a tree, what is a chainsaw? uh, Yeah, I don't know. Is there any because we had the uh, what do we have the war on I four? We do any like something across like I seventy across the Bigfoot. We could do a Bigfoot trophy. Yeah, for what? By Yeti for Oregon and Washington because there's always the Bigfoot sightings in the forests up there. But they already play though, right? I'm trying to get the new ones covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's what I want. Have a trophy though, and now that they're in the Big Ten, they need a trophy. The civil conflict. That's really good. Also, shout out to Sue in the chat for pointing out to Chip that ducks are birds, not amphibians. (laughs) I was thinking, listen, I've been watching videos of duck boats in the last couple days. Uh, Fascinating. And it's an amphibian truck is the way that they they are presented in these YouTube videos. Um, So, yeah, that's that's my fault on that. But we uh, if we go with Huskies, what are our existing dog? do we have any dogs in the Big Ten right now? Because we got Badgers, we got Wolverines, not dogs, not dogs. Not really a dog conference. Gophers and ducks can fight. Yeah. <laughs> Gophers and ducks are a good one. Who wins in a fight between a gopher and a duck? I'm going Gophers with the gopher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gopher. Yeah. Work ethic far exceeds the duck. <laughs> Ducks just chill, hang out. <laughs> Oh, Northwest. Wait, hold on. No, Northwest is a Wildcats. Um, I don't know. Bruins, Bears versus Lions. Who are the Lions? Don't have them. Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes. Uh, Hawkeye. A Hawkeye would actually. That in terms of overall mascots in the Big Ten, that's got to be among the most dangerous, right? Yeah. My backyard will attest to that. Um, <laughs> the Hawks versus the Ducks. That's Nittany a very lines. one-sided battle. Nittany Lions. Yeah, Bears the Nittany Lions, Lions. But that's more of a that's more of a puma or a mountain lion than I was thinking. <laughs> lion. Uh, it's a large cat. I'll give it that. Um, so yeah, we could be the Huskies and the Nittany Lions. Cats versus dogs. There you go. Cats versus dogs. Boom. There you go. It's the eternal battle that everybody uh, has has gone through. Uh, all right. This one, I mean, I'm so sorry that this is a conference realignment question, but the good news is this one's more of a historical approach uh, f- from username run Woody run best college football podcast out there. Appreciate the work you guys have put in. Haven't missed a show in years. Thank you. Mailbag question on top of conference realignment. If you could freeze all future conference realignment at any point in time over the history of the sport, to be the conference membership structure moving forward indefinitely, what year would you choose? Or do you think, uh, let's just say, what year would you choose? For example, if you choose 2010, Nebraska, Colorado, and Missouri will always remain in the Big 12. TCU and Utah are still in the Mountain West, and the Big 10 still has just 11, with Penn State having joined recently. Um, we'll go 1995. 1995. Florida State, number one in the country. <laughs> you got Big E still alive with Miami, Virginia Tech. You have a Pac-10 that is actually the Pac-10. You got a Big 12, which still had Nebraska in it. Like I, Because I firmly believe, this is how I've described it, because I don't think like we're still going to get great matchups. We're still all going to love college football. But when I think of the golden era of college football, and clearly maybe I'm biased because I was a part of it, I think of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s of like the golden era of college football. So I would go back right smack dab in the middle of it. Do you so, guys remember the Big West Conference? That uh, existed in a, the 90s. And I feel like that's a just football been, conference. Yeah. The Big West was like, it was like Idaho, Boise State, Idaho. It was like, yeah, it was, I forgot that existed. <laughs> that's so, what conference really But then, like, I with. forgot, I forget about schools like Utah and TCU mm-hmm. who weren't 
at a power five level yet that we wouldn't have that opportunity if we froze it then. Just, you know, so like you can see the. So we do. I want to get it after 95 because I do like the big 12. We don't get the big 12. I think we're still big eight yeah. back mm-hmm. then. And we don't have the um, addition there. I think you have to go after 1992 because I do like my 12 team SEC. And I think I want to get after 1996. And I can't think of too many realignment moves between 96 and 2004 somewhere in that window. So while, to your point, while the big East is still rocking and rolling with that current membership, um, that's, I think my window would be somewhere between 96 and 2004. That's what I'd be looking for. Yeah. I'm in that window too. I, my problem is like the power conferences. That is a perfect window to me. Like we're, the conferences that I grew up watching and I care about, but like the, the G fives, which they weren't known as then, but the smaller conferences, like I would like to find the sweet spot between like the big West eventually became the mountain West pretty much. But like, I'd like to find a sweet spot between the WAC and the mountain West. So that both exist still. And they're both still kind of strong. And can you imagine a time when like Utah TCU and BYU were all playing in the same conference together? Wouldn't that be crazy? Like that'd be nuts. That was like when the Big Twelve a lot realignment news happened. Somebody just screenshotted an old Mountain West mm-hmm. standings that just showed BYU, Utah, and TCU all ranked in the top twenty-five and all you know having great seasons at the same time. Um, if you go back to eighteen ninety-nine, as the <laughs> suggestion was in the chat, Ivy League is was the SEC. Oh, right? Barton was dominating. You've got a deal with the monster. That is the Sewanee Tigers football team. Oh. <laughs> the Sewanee Tigers in 1899 went 12-0 and shut out all but one opponent. Their results were 12 to nothing, 32 to nothing, 46 to nothing, 54 to nothing, 12 to nothing, 10 to nothing, 23 to nothing, 34 to nothing, 12 to nothing, 71 to nothing. <laughs> then they had a huge matchup against Auburn, 11 to 10, and then they beat North Carolina 5 to nothing. You don't want to mess with the Sewanee Tigers. Let's go. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a problem. Be a big time problem. Yeah, 1931 with the 20. Does the SEC claim that one? <laughs> Probably. Why? Because, sure they because have. Sewanee did get into the SEC when they created the SEC, but then they started getting blasted and then they ended yeah. up like Sewanee is the example of a program in a Power Five conference with a pretty good history that started looking at where things were going and just said, you know what? I'm out. We're out of here. And uh, and obviously, the University of the South, I believe, as they call themselves, uh, continue to not be uh, playing at the highest levels. It was funny because when I was doing like research for this question to try to find the year that it was, I forgot that there was a long time where the ACC had nine teams. And yeah. like I, I remember the Big Ten had 11, and the, I forgot the ACC had nine. And it's like, I can't believe we went that long with like conferences having odd numbers of teams in them. Um, I, buy, I mean, just my little ACC heart will always remember it because it was the eight, nine play in game in the mm-hmm. ACC tournament. Yep, yep, yep. So like eight, nine play in game on Thursday night factors into your four game Friday for the quarterfinals. Yeah. This will listen to me getting old. <laughs> we should be. Uh, all right. Let's get a couple more live questions. Oh, yeah. This one was, uh, also along the lines uh, Big Ten in the conference of rival issues. What new trophy should be made? For example, creating the Cherry Cup or the battle for the Big W for Wisconsin or Washington. Don't hate either of those right there. Thank you for that. Uh, this one's Big Ten related for everybody that loves the fact that we always talk about the Big Ten. I don't know why you guys think that we don't talk about the Big Ten. Uh, if neither Wisconsin or Iowa end up winning the Big Ten West, who would the winner be? Illinois. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You going to make a Minnesota case on here, Dan? Uh, that's what I was thinking about, but I'd probably lean towards Illinois. But we did our totals yesterday. I was bigger on Illinois, but Minnesota's schedule is too tough. But I guess if Wisconsin and Iowa are not winning the division, that could be because Minnesota has beaten them. But I would still go Illinois over Minnesota. Um, all right. Gregory Baker from the chat asks What's better, a Power Five offensive <laughs> coordinator position or an NFL position coach? Gra- Which I love that question. more. What'd you say? Which one is paying me more? That's the better job. <laughs> the definitely the Power Five OC I think pays you better, right? I mean, in some spots, sure, yeah. in the SEC or Big Ten. 
power five OC. I've I've got to assume if we're going to make this a debate, it's got to be a like a, a top tier offensive coordinator job. Well, here I think the NFL position coach probably makes what? Well, they're they're not public, but I would guess three hundred, two or three hundred. Oh wow! So then. I think there's a big disparity. Yeah, I think it's easily the. I, but I don't know. I could be wrong. But I'm thinking of like a wide receivers coach, not a co coordinator or a play caller. Maybe they some, make more now. Some college head coaches at the P five level don't require their coordinators to like recruit, like to go on trips. Like they're for official visits, they have them kind of you know help seal the deal with players, or maybe they let them you know they go recruit quarterbacks if you're an OC. I think that would be a part of my decision making too. Like if I'm a Power Five coordinator. And I'm making slightly more than an NFL position coach, depending again on the job where I am. If I don't have to be traveling all year round to recruit, I would take the Power Five OC job. Same. Yeah, I think the money's significantly greater. I think the work is significantly greater too. But I'd also rather be a play caller than a position coach. You know, okay. like I'd rather be the OC than just working with the receivers or just the quarterbacks. I'd want to have that game day responsibility. See, I feel like I could dig being an NFL position coach in that when shit go or when stuff goes wrong, I'm probably not the first one being fired. <laughs> like, like if the offense stinks, the coordinator might get fired, and they might just look past the offensive line coach who's working True. with a terrible offensive line. Well, can it, it's along those lines? What came to mind with me is if you are a you know college position coach or certainly college offensive coordinator, you're you're still dealing with like knuckleheads. If you are an NFL position coach, you're still dealing with knuckleheads. Well, but you, you're dealing just with grown ass knuckleheads. <laughs> you're dealing with like men. You're dealing with people with you know grown up problems. And like Jim Harbaugh famously said, one of the things he loves about coaching college is that they don't have any grown up problems, and you're not dealing with all that. You know, having to do all that baggage. But when trying to communicate, I feel like you you might be able to relate a little bit better. Um, you know, when you're just talking to, I mean, I mean Danny. Would you say like the quarterbacks coach that you had uh, in the NFL, like when they're talking to you, they're talking to you like a peer, right? Yes, absolutely. And they're hey, when I was my last couple of years in the Broncos, my quarterback coach was probably four years older than me. And I was like 28, 29, 30. And he was probably 34, 35. So you're much closer in age. Like we used to hang out and go grab dinner. You know, like you are much closer. But I also think there's it is way more of a business working relationship as well. You don't have to babysit. You know, here's the expectation. You're not going to get punished. Like you're not going to have to, Ooh, you're gonna have to run some gassers if you didn't do your home. Like you're just going to get cut and everybody kind of knows that's the relationship. So you don't have to do as much handholding. I would, I think that I, that would be attractive to me uh, from a leadership standpoint, but much more realistic hours too. So quality of life, even if you're making less, yeah, and you have to worry go. about the kid that you're coaching leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, he's under contract. He can't, yeah. you know, he can't just bolt. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I could tell him he sucks if he sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah. How did we just wind up with be like, oh, Power 5 OC makes way more money. And then we get three minutes into this like, man, life's <laughs> way better as a position coach. Any NFL coaches are looking to hire guys. The three of us were interested. Give us a call. We'll coach your tight ends. I, I will. Let's go. Hey, let, special teams. Special is it true? I saw this coming out with the allegations around Minnesota with PJ Fleck and the cult culture and all that. Is it true they have a rule you're not allowed to punish players with conditioning anymore? Like I thought in like discipline, you can't use conditioning as a form of discipline or punishment. I read that. I could be wrong. But in that report, it came out because I think he was accused of using that. And I was like, I got a massive lawsuit that I could be handled against Florida State because that's all we did. I mean, if I threw a pick, it was going to be five stadium steps. And there were games you had three picks. That's 15 stadiums. That is impossible to do. If you were late for class, you had to get up at 630 and go run. Like that was all that was the only thing they could do to punish you. I I, want to say it was in there, but I I I don't think I don't know. So this week at a power five program. At training camp, fall camp, fights were breaking out. It was like a testy day, and the head coach had the whole team do up downs as punishment for the okay. fighting. So they still can. They should. And this, I, I this was, was like in front of the media too. So it wasn't stuff. like yeah. a. So yeah. some levels of it definitely still exist. I think you can run laps. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Next week, 
SEC win totals, part one on Monday, part two on Wednesday. If you want to get in on Wednesday's show, jump in on the eBay bid. The auction is live and ongoing. We've got the link in the episode description. Then Thursday of next week, it is win totals locks. Then the next week leads into week zero. Boys, season is here. Fired up to run back another great one with y'all and with everybody hanging out here on the Cover 3 podcast. So you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Canelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Love you, Uncle Jerry. <laughs>